This podcast brought to you by TechSmith. Moray 2 is software for usability testing and user experience research, enabling you to test quickly and often, letting you solve real design issues. By PowerMapper. Mapping your site has never been easier. PowerMapper extracts links from each page of your site until it's mapped your entire site, providing you with a complete inventory. By OptimalSort. With an elegant user interface, powerful analysis, and outstanding support, OptimalSort can help you run successful card sorts better than you ever thought possible. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For other events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. On the last day of UX Week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Adaptive Path's new CEO, Michael Meyer, about his impressions of UX Week and the opportunities that lie ahead with his new position. We discuss his past experiences as a nuclear engineer, time spent in the U.S. Navy, as well as working with some of the leading design firms in the world, such as Frog and IDEO, before arriving at Adaptive Path. My heartfelt thanks to Michael and the entire team at Adaptive Path for allowing Boxes and Arrows to share these conversations with the global community. And I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. So I'm sitting here with uh, Michael Meyer, the new uh, CEO for Adaptive Path. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Michael. Oh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. Um, so uh, talk to me about the process. You've uh, maybe a little bit about your background and how you came to Adaptive Path. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so like a lot of like a lot of folks uh, in this industry, I've got a weird path to get here. Sure. Um, and I always say that, but then you know, at one point, I, I I kind of thought about it, and I realized, no, actually. For the last 20 years, I've been leading technical and creative teams. Okay. So there is this continuous thread. Um, but I started out as a, a nuclear engineer. Really? Not, yeah. Okay. Uh, which is not where you know most people in this industry uh, start out. And, and I was an engineering officer uh, in the American Navy and um, did that for a number of years. Also ran a telecommunications uh, facility in Naples. I like to say that I ran a radio station uh, in Italy. That sounds a lot better. Okay. <laughs> but um, what I realized through that was that I really enjoyed managing um, groups of technicians, groups of experts doing these amazingly complex things. And what I also realized is that mid-level um, engineering managers pretty much stay mid-level engineering managers for the rest of their lives unless they go off and figure out how businesses make money. So I went off to business school and um, discovered how businesses make money. And when I was there, I, uh, I was there at the time when Business schools were just starting to realize that, you know, this whole thing about product development is kind of interesting, and maybe we should study that, and uh, maybe we should actually even teach it to our students, and um, got really interested in it, and got connected with this small little unknown company at the time um, that was doing amazingly cool stuff, uh, a place called IDEO. Very familiar with them now, of course. Everyone in the design world is, I think. Yeah, yeah. people have, uh, have, have heard about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So um, connected with the Boston office um, out there and um, got an opportunity to work on some projects uh, as an intern or work on a, a project uh, uh, as an intern, worked with them over the summer. And then even though we weren't supposed to in business school, kind of kept doing some work with them uh, through the, the next year. Really the whole point of it for me was just to get hired. Finally um, convinced them uh, to let me join full time, uh, did that for Several years, um, a range of jobs. You know, I, I kind of started out as the business guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and um, out in the Boston studio, and really didn't know what I was supposed to be doing there. Um, ended up doing a variety of things. Got a really good understanding of the user-centered 
integrated product development process. And at the time also um, really got a, a lot of good experience um, in product strategy, kind of figuring out what products uh, companies ought to be making. Uh, struck out on my own for a little while, did some teaching uh, new product development, uh, then uh, uh, started with Frog Design out here in California, running the California studio. Okay. Uh, did that for a period of time and then discovered that there was this cool little company, Adaptive Path, that was looking for a new CEO. Nice, excellent. And when we've just finished up, this is actually the last day of uh, UX Week, and it's been uh, yes, it's been it's been amazing. It was, it's been my first experience at UX Week. Mm -hmm. uh, Adaptive Path was kind enough to invite us down, box and arrows down, for to uh, interview some people from MX, mm -hmm. and uh, that was a great conference. And actually, I went around at the end and interviewed some people, mm -hmm. did a little mashup, and one of the things I asked them about, you know, what did you get out of MX? What did you really like? And, and one of the one of the comments I found most interesting was uh, someone said, you know what? It's just to know I'm not alone. Just to know that the design oh, problems and other things that I'm facing and the challenges I'm facing, there's a whole global community that of designers like me are, are facing the same sorts of challenges and, and to know that I'm not alone and that there is a community out there that I can reach out to. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? Absolutely. And this week has just reinforced that very thing, but it's, it's been great because it's about forward thinking. You know, it's about really looking at, you know, starting with the fundamentals mm -hmm. of, of, of user experience and looking to today, looking at things like you know, the transition from CLI to GUI to NLI, to, mm -hmm. um, like with Microsoft Surface and whatnot. And it's just, you know, the possibilities now are just, just absolutely, they're endless. There's no, there's no real limit to what we can do. It's just we're only limited by our imagination. It's really, that's becoming more and more true. And <clears throat> one of the things that I think is very interesting is how much um, the dividing line between the digital and the physical worlds mm -hmm. is disappearing. It's sort of analogous to uh, the, the, the rise of integrated product development for the physical world, right? Mm -hmm. Where it became less and less about the technology because the technology made things more and more possible. And so if everything is possible, you really needed to focus on what did people want, right? And as, as the blurring of digital and physical starts happening, when you can have, you can have these, these very complex and rich behaviors in physical objects and digital objects that live together, then you really have to figure out, okay, what is the totality of the experience that the user wants? You don't have the luxury of separating the digital on-screen interaction from the physical, the, the, the behavior of the physical device. Um, and you also have to take into, into account the environment uh, in which the whole experience lives. And, and it's really about designing the, the totality of the user experience, not the, the, the digital user experience, the physical object, the industrial design, the, the, the architecture of the environment. Um, it, it, it's it's something that people are starting to figure out mm -hmm. um, and haven't quite figured out, and that's a, that's a really kind of interesting place to be. Yeah, and I think that's why we're starting to see interaction design, as you were just describing, mm -hmm. which is I think sort of the the definition of what you're describing around interaction design becoming so much more prominent in in what we're doing. It's taking a bigger role in a lot of organizations in the way they're thinking about things. We're not just thinking about, you know, the, the website. We're thinking about how people are, and human factors is becoming more of a, more of a discipline in a lot of areas as well. I think that it's very similar to, you know, at, at, at one point, human factors really became sort of the intersection between engineering and industrial design. Right. It became kind of the, the divining rod to figure out what people wanted out of the device. Mm -hmm and the, uh, the arbiter of what was good design, good engineering, good product development. Mm -hmm. I think you know, the interaction design is really sort of stepping into that role now as, as the, the digital technology makes a lot of different experiences possible. We have to design that experience. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting because Leah Bealy gave a great talk about being a user experience team of one and mm -hmm. uh, this need for that and, and talking with other other professionals in, in my discipline and information architect and, and other user experience professionals who are independents or smaller companies. Mm -hmm. um, they were really excited to hear, hear this presentation, hear these ideas because they're like, yeah, well, how do we go about doing this? Yeah. And part of her presentation, she said, you know, we're standing at the crossroads of what we're doing now and where we're going. Mm -hmm. And that, for a lot of people, scares the hell out of them, right? This idea of not knowing where they're going and the fear of knowing that we have to change but not knowing how we're going to be able to do that. Um, I look at it as an exciting opportunity, a challenge, but there are a lot of people that are, that are kind of frightened by that. And a lot of old school businesses mm -hmm. who, who've been around for generations, I think, are also a little scared by that. But Adaptive Path is, is a company that I think is sort of is one that takes on that challenge and looks at it with, with enthusiasm and vigor about what can be. It's a tremendously exciting place to be. Yeah. So uh, any big plans or any, any future, future things for Adaptive Path <laughs> that you can share with, uh, with everyone as the new CEO? Well, having been here for what, all of three weeks now? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. It's the sort of position, certainly a, a place like Adaptive Path, you don't come in with a grand scheme and, and try to tell everybody what we're going to be doing now. Right. A firm like Adaptive Path, any really intensely creative place, one of the most powerful things that you can do is help craft a sense of collective vision. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get anywhere unless you have that sense of collective vision. Right? Um, so really the task, the first task is to figure out what do we as an organization want to do. Mm -hmm. right? it's, an, it's a group of intensely talented folks that's grown very slowly over the last several years, which means that they've been very selective about the folks that came into the uh, organization. And so we've got this tremendous potential and this, uh, I think, sense of anticipation, this, this feeling like we want to grow, but we don't know what grow really means. Do we okay. want to become big? Do we want to have a lot of impact? Do we want to have, have more impact with our clients? Do we want to move into new industries? Do we want to move into new geographic markets? Um, do we want to expand the range of skills that we can bring to bear on any, any problem? I think the answer is probably, you know, yes, all of these things to some degree or another. And, and we need to form this collective vision of what do we mean by grow? And then I think once we have that collective vision, I think it'll be very clear what the next steps are. You know, I mean, certainly we'll probably grow, open some new studios, we'll probably uh, add some new people and some new types of people uh, to the team and enlarge the, the sorts of problems, the sorts of design challenges that we can take on. I think it's going to be an, an, an incredibly exciting time uh, over the next several years at the Bealey Group. Well, and, that's, and you've hit on what a lot of organizations uh, understand but don't put into practice, which, I, which from my experience in working with Adaptive Path, just through doing the podcast and talking mm -hmm. with all the great people that work for your company, um, they recognize that the, the people themselves are the foundation of the business, not, not the technology or not the specific tools Absolutely. they're using. It's the people and it's the ability to innovate and communicate with other people in a language, in plain language, in a simple way, and, mm -hmm. and to show people that you know their ideas are of value. But you know what, we can really push. We can really push and move you to the next level by by taking on things and looking at them in a different way. And there's a lot that goes into crafting the environment uh, that really supports people in that way. I think right. that UX Week is a, is a great example. Agreed. Um, it, it's you know when I came into it, I, I think that I had a somewhat facile understanding of of what AP really did with an event like UX Week. You know, I, I looked at it as well, like like most business folks would look at it and say, oh great, yeah, we put on events as a marketing opportunity.
opportunity. And that's clearly not what we're doing here. It's very much about sharing what we have learned in our project, um, what we're thinking that might be interesting to do next, and bringing in some other folks to share what they've learned through their work and what they're thinking might be, inter uh, might be interesting to do next. And sort of you know, stirring that into the collective pot, sharing it with the rest of the world, and letting the rest of the world mull it over and talk about it um, with everybody. And we're seeing that, for example, with uh, Jesse James Garrett's work with Mozilla Labs around mm -hmm. Aurora and the browser concept and, and opening that up to, to uh, a lot of debate, and, and good, bad, and indifferent from other you know, interaction designers, mm -hmm. IAs around the world over the last few weeks since mm -hmm. it's been launched, and uh, really sort of taking that idea and running with it and, and sharing it openly, not, not trying to guard it. You know, it's a corporate mm -hmm. secret in terms of what we're doing like a lot of organizations do because recognizing it's the users or as Don Norman liked to say, the people, the people. who will be who will actually who will actually be uh, who will actually be uh, using these systems, and, and they're the ones that need to provide the feedback to, to make the system better. And that was one of the things that made um, you know uh, collaborating with Mozilla on Aurora so compelling for this organization is that it wasn't about crafting some vision of the future and putting out out there and saying this is the vision of the future. Right. It was about the first the first paragraph in an ongoing dialogue. And encouraging other folks to come in and, and engage in that conversation and have their own ideas, come up with their own concepts, and put them out as one of these alternate visions of what the future might be. Amazing what you can create when you open yourself up to new processes and ideas. A lot more than you can by being closed. Michael Meyer, thank you very much for being on the Boxes and Arrows podcast. Uh, really appreciate your time and, and nothing but uh, best wishes and success with the Boxes. Well, thank you very much. Very happy.